Hi, my name is David McJunkin on Skate Staff. You're listening to week three of the False Creek Podcast. The speaker for week three was Todd Sanders, and we had 4,883 students in attendance. Enjoy. All right, yeah, let's, let's thank Bailey and the band here uh, for leading us and um, doing such a great job of, of drawing our hearts to the Father and pointing us in that right direction. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John uh, chapter 10. Chapter 10. All right. John chapter 10, we're going to look at the first uh, 21 verses this evening. And I'm going to read this in just a moment, but let's kind of recap where we started Monday night. We started looking at these statements where Jesus, throughout the book of John, claims or proclaims his deity. And with that, he gives a picture of his role in salvation, a very clear picture. And as you know, they kind of come on the hills most often of a moment where the disciples or those hearing are a little slow to understand. And so he speaks very plainly in a very simple, clear picture. And so on Monday, we looked at this idea of our need, right? We all have these deep needs that need to be met. And we talked about our need for satisfaction, to be satisfied, um, to be filled with something that lasts, that is not temporary and challenged with the idea of what are the things that are fake and not lasting or temporary that we try to fill up on that can never sustain, right? So Jesus is our satisfaction. He is the bread of life. And then last night we looked at Jesus when he says uh, to Martha that he is the resurrection and the life. So he brings us to new life because he's conquered death. Um, We can have victory over sin, victory over death, and walk in new life each and every day. He is our life. And tonight we're going to look at this big idea from John chapter 10, um, that Jesus loves me and he wants me to belong. He wants me to belong. Because I think this is true and I think you would agree that each of us, we have a, um, a desire, a need that is written into our very being to develop meaningful relationships, to have a connection with someone else. As a matter of fact, God, when he created us, what does he um, say to Adam? He points out it is not good for what? Man to be alone, right? And so he creates a helpmate. He creates a companion in Eve, man and woman. And so he created us and, and wrote into the fabric of our very being this desire for connection, relationship, belonging, Right, And so it makes us ask these questions, and maybe if you're like me, um, growing up and even today, and I think adults might uh, agree with me that they're in a room tonight, I don't think we ever get past a stage where we don't sometimes ask this question, like, who wants me? Who loves me? Who do I matter to? And so we have these deep needs that uh, um, are, are written into us, and one of those deep needs is a deep need to belong. And tonight, this big idea that we're looking at is Jesus loves me and wants me to belong. Jesus is my place of belonging. Jesus is my place of belonging. Listen, and, and that, that need is met in the most healthy way when we belong to God, God and we find approval in him. We find approval in him. And so let's just read this passage with this in mind, and we'll jump into what the passage is saying to us tonight, what God wants to speak through his truth. Um, I'll start in John chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all... His own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know 
his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Again, are you surprised? Everyone go, I'm surprised, right? He's teaching them, yet they don't understand. So he slows it down. He backs it up for them a little bit. um, And he says again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flocks, uh, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Let's pray and we'll continue. Father, thanks for this time. God, guide us in your truth tonight. God, we come to you open and willing and pray our hearts will be ready to receive what you have to tell us. And God, that one, as we prayed before this week, that we wouldn't just hear, we wouldn't just be hearing, but we would be understanding and we would be responding to you. So God, we thank you for your word and the power it has to change us. And God, we pray that you would do that in this place tonight, to do what only you can do. And that saves souls and draw people to yourself and to change lives. And God, change my life. God, change the students' lives in this room. Change the adults' lives through your truth and through um, the revelation of who you are as we just look intently into your word. And God, we give you this time and we thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, let's think about this. Again, we're looking at these metaphorical statements, right? Jesus is describing himself in terms of something else. Um, This is the third and fourth metaphor in that string of seven in the book of John. So uh, we're looking at the third and the fourth tonight as he describes this. And and he uses this motif of the shepherd and the sheep, right? Um, And he's talking in terms of this. So um, let's think about sheep for a minute. I know some people have said before, and I've heard this said, and maybe I've said this before, that sheep are stupid. But in doing a little research, okay, I don't know if there are any sheep people in the room, any um, agricultural people in the room that raise sheep or have something to do with sheep. I would not be that thing. The closest I've ever gotten to agricultural education and training um, is when I was in the sixth grade. I was at the Murray County Fair. Okay, I grew up in Davis, Oklahoma, just down the hill. I was at the Murray County Fair, and my friends and I found a cattle head gate. Now, this was a cattle head gate that was made by the local FFA students, okay, welding students, shop students, like they had made these projects, taking them to the fair to be judged, right? Um, I wasn't familiar with the county fair. I moved to Davis, Oklahoma. The smallest town I had ever lived in was Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay? So I lived in Oklahoma City. I lived in Tulsa. I had lived um, in Mexico City, okay, Um, which at that time was 15 million people, and then we moved to a little town called Dallas, and so I lived in Dallas, And then we ended up, we ended up 
in Davis, Oklahoma. I graduated with 58 people. This was a new world to me. Uh, my friends had hogs, um, cows. They had other farm animals. I probably couldn't even name. They had a lot of farm stuff. So I moved there, and I went to the county fair. I was in sixth grade, and my friends and I found this headgate. And so it was just the front part of the headgate. It wasn't even the chute. It was just the headgate, um, nice welding projects. I remember this one. I can picture it in my head. It was painted this nice bright orange. Um, and so we were just playing around back there by the headgates. That's what sixth graders do at the county fair, I guess, um, if you didn't have hogs. Um, and so we're playing around by that, and uh, we're taking turns locking each other in the headgate. Lock, just locking each other in the headgate. Um, Letting each other out. Got in, it's my turn. They locked me in, all my friends scattered. And so I'm in the headgate, the bright orange FFA headgate. And I, there's a lever over here on the side, and I'm thinking, well, I, I can't stay here all night. So I've got to get out of this thing. And so I, this is what I'm thinking in my sixth grade mind. So I'm reaching over, and I'm trying to work that headgate while at the same time yelling for my friends, hey guys, where'd you go? They just left me. And so I start to do that, but the headgate starts to rock like this. Mind you, my head is still in the head gate, and after a number of tries, that head gate just falls over. From that point on, all I remember is um, looking around, and everyone, their faces, like everyone from the county fair, I think, had circled up around me, and I think I was vomiting everywhere. My head was bleeding. I had head trauma, and all I remember is people like, <gasps> like, like this poor kid. He's not going to survive, right? Because this 400 pounds of steel just fell on the back of my head. And they found me. I was kind of like, my feet were sticking up like this. So they ran and got help and got me out, took me to the hospital. Um, I was bandaged up, bandaged up for a little while. So that, that's about the extent of my agricultural life and skill, okay? So this will just tell you where I am on this scale. Um, it's, it's close to my, um, my ability as a handyman. How many handymen do we have in... Handyman? Yeah. So if we're thinking of my skills as a handyman, here's where it is. It's like Bob Vila, okay? Um, Tim the Toolman Taylor, Handy Manny, and Bob the Builder, okay? So, and, and so if you're doing the math, three, three out of the four of those don't even exist, okay? So those guys have more ability than I do. So this was a foreign world to me, right? So I had to look up some stuff about sheep. So you may know, you may want to discredit this, but I found out uh, the claims are, okay, the claims are that sheep are pretty smart, okay? Um, so they build friendships, okay? Uh, there's proof they build friendships, or at least the, the idea there. They, they stick up for one another. They can see in color, which a lot of animals can't. Evidently, they can see in color. But they have poor depth perception, all right? So therefore, I, I think that's probably why the shepherd needs to guide them, right, and call them and direct them, because they can't see maybe in some ways, but they have good hearing. Uh, they have crazy peripheral vision, like they can almost see behind them without moving their heads. Is this true? Anyone attest to this fact? I don't know. I'm just telling you these things. Um, there's a good sense of smell. Uh, they have a painful kick, okay, so you don't want to be kicked by a sheep. They stay in groups. They can scale cliffs quickly. They uh, run from what frightens them. We see that listed here. They're going to run from what they don't understand. Uh, specifically, clanging metal uh, was mentioned. They show sadness when they're, this is kind of macabre, their, their friends are led to slaughter, okay? Um, they exhibit some kind of disconnection, sadness. There. They're destructive, okay? Uh, or, yeah, and, and they get lost. Uh, they get lost easily. 
Um, so these are some facts about sheep. So um, but what I thought was interesting there, just this idea of they have some strengths and they develop these bonds, right? And so there's this great picture of the shepherd leading the sheep and we as God's children being the sheep, the people of God, right? And how the shepherd leads us and how he interacts with his sheep. And if we are helpless in some ways, right, they might be able to kick, um, but in many ways they're defenseless uh, to, to predators. And so the shepherd has to feed them, he has to care for them, discipline, he gives them a safe home, he gives them a, a place from harm, he protects them uh, from predators, protects them from thieves. And so this is the, the role of the shepherd with the sheep. And so as we think about these I am statements and this picture of the shepherd and the sheep, um, we're, we're going to draw some truths from the passage tonight that I think um, we can be challenged by just understanding that relationship, that we as God's sheep, as his people, we rely on the shepherd. We rely on the shepherd. In the shepherd, we have a place of belonging. Jesus is our place of belonging. Not only that, that we as sheep... Um, we need to understand this, that there are other sheep. God says there are other sheep, and I'll call to them as well. And so what we're talking about tonight is this, that those of you who belong to the family of God, there are some truths for us in this passage, but those of you who don't yet belong to the family of God have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus, there's a place of belonging for you as well. And maybe by the end of the sermon tonight, you would come, and you would give your heart and life to Christ, and you could be brought in to the fold. And so um, let's talk about belonging a little bit. Let's think about belonging and our need for that and kind of where that leads. Just really quickly, I want to hit on something um, as we think about where our longing to belong leads us, kind of that path, okay? So we long for it, right? We long for acceptance, all right? And sometimes that leads us down a destructive path, okay? It leads us away from where God would have us and what we would want for ourselves and what God intends for us. It leads us away from that thriving life that God called us to that we talked about last night, right? So let's think about this in terms of the application, the illustration of social media. How many of you have social media of some, some form? Anyone? Yeah, a lot of hands. Most of us in the room, okay? have some kind of interaction on social media. And listen, I don't want you to hear me um, decrying social media. I am not the, I, I'm for social media because I think it can be a very powerful tool. And I use it in a lot of work and we keep up with people a lot personally through social media. But I want us to think in terms of belonging and just the proof of this deep need for connection and belonging in our lives played out in social media land. So, so here's what happens when we get likes and comments, when we post something, um, when people share that, repost, tag, comment. Um, actually, there are, are studies that show there are in, endorphins, these hormones, right, that are released in us, and they, they give us a sense of satisfaction, and they give us a sense of pleasure because it's affirming to us. It makes us feel connected. It makes us feel that we belong. It makes us feel good. And even though social media can meet some need to belong, we need to understand that the constant stream of connectivity can create negative social outcomes for us, negative outcomes in our lives. And let me just list some of those that are heightened depending upon feedback or that lack thereof when it comes to social media. Rejection. And may, maybe as I go through this list, maybe some of you... Uh, internalize this, maybe you identify with this, um, this may ring true for you, or maybe you've had this experience, or maybe you've had this uh, experience with someone close to you, uh, but here are some of the things that are heightened 
okay, and they're feedback dependent. Rejection, anxiety, bullying, discontentedness. And so we see, it's like we see our life as, um, as not as good as everyone else's. Like everyone else has got a better life than me because look what they post, right? And so we feel discontented. Maybe we feel ostracized. We, we uh, maybe hate, anger boil up in us. Bitterness, perversion, dissatisfaction. And all of those things the more time we spend on social media, the more isolated we can become and the more disconnected we become and the more that those things can grow, depending on the amount of feedback we receive and what we see, and it's a constant stream. And so although it can have some good qualities and we can use it uh, for good things, um, listen, I don't have to convince you tonight um, that we see the ills of it and we see the dark side of it, we see the downside of it and how that relates to our need for belonging, okay? Need for belonging. Now, I may be the only one in the room that's ever had a need for belonging, right? <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think we, we gravitate towards acceptance, right? Um, we have this, that's why we have this selective experience with social media. So we have our favorite platform, we have our favorite people. Um, we are fed our favorites, okay? Because we, it's based on our frequent friends, Right? So the people we look at, the things we look at the most, it feeds us recommendations. And sometimes we're not even in control of what we're seeing on that feed. And so someone else is feeding us information based on our need for acceptance and clicking and interest and trying to connect and trying to belong and trying to have some level of significance in the eyes of someone else. And so it's a form of acceptance that we gravitate to. We gravitate to. Listen, what I mean by that is this, is that when people accept us for something that they may do, so you have a group of friends, they do this thing, and you gravitate towards that thing, so you'll be accepted by them. And so they reinforce that in you, they approve of you because you do this X, Y, Z thing, right? And so I participate on a team, and so therefore I gather around this team, and I am accepted by the team, and I'm willing to do whatever the team says. Or another group in school, or a group of friends, or family members, or you're going to gravitate where you feel acceptance, because you have a deep need to belong, a deep need to connect. And so you're going to gravitate towards that, whatever it costs. And so some of you would trade your faith, you would trade your safety, you would trade your health, just so you can be accepted, just so you can belong. And I'm not telling you something that probably is a surprise to you. I'm telling you something that we probably all feel deep down, may have experienced time and time again. But here's also what I'm going to say is we gravitate toward that acceptance, but warning, when that, when that accepted behavior stops or that connection stops, you very quickly are pushed to the fringes. So if you no longer want to be about that thing, well then guess what? We don't have time for you. And here's what we need to understand tonight as we think about this acceptance and this illustration of so, social media um, in this hyper-connected world that we live in, um, there's very little belonging. There's very little real connection in that digital world. It's surface and it's fleeting. We become more and more disconnected when we become jealous of others and we're all trying to have the same experience but we're not really connected at all. And so I don't think that uh, that's a surprise to you. I think we probably all feel that in some way, shape, or form, that we gravitate to, toward those things. Um, and and, it, and it, it stems from this deep-needed 
uh, desire, deep-seated desire to be accepted, to be accepted. So what do we need? We need belonging, okay? But what happens is, is when we uh, remove ourselves from a source of belonging, we um, have issues like anxiety and stress and loneliness and depression. And it's marked by things we see in culture, right? Our suicide rates from 18 to 24-year-olds, and it would push into teenagers as well, are at record highs. At record highs. In a world that is hyper-connected, we have people that are lonely and disconnected to the point they would take their own life. And so it's a warning sign for us that we're seeking belonging, but we're seeking it in places that we will never find it. Listen, Jesus, as we look at this passage tonight, Jesus is our belonging. Jesus is our belonging. We are social people. God designed the church for uh, um, connection. He designed the church for belonging, right? When we come into relationship with him, we also come into relationship with the body of Christ. We're knit together in a family. We're part of the fold. We're part of his sheep, his people. And so this is the way he created us. This is the way he designed the church. This is what he intends for us. And so what does John 10 show us about our need to belong And what truth can we draw from this passage tonight, and how can we walk in that? Here's the first thing. First of all, in verse 1, there are competing voices. So if you're taking notes, there are competing voices. Let's look at verse 1. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. There are competing voices for the voice of the shepherd. And we gravitate, like we said, we gravitate toward those, right? Um, With those who would agree with us, um, those who look like us, who do what we do, we naturally gravitate towards them. And so they're competing and distracting us from what the Lord would have for us, and we're pulled away into that relationship. So there are competing voices. They vie for our attention. So I want to ask you this tonight. Who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Who is it that on a daily basis... Um, you're listening to, is it the voice of God? Is it the voice of those people who are centered in the things of Christ and willing to guide you in that direction? Or are you being pulled away and listening to the voice of the thief and the robber? The thief and the robber. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to in your life each and every day? There are competing voices. Here's the second thing, verses two through five. There is a true shepherd. So there are competing voices, but there is a true shepherd. Um, number, uh, verse 2, it says, The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. They listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. You see, students, there are competing voices, but there is a true shepherd. And, and, and he calls out to us, and we hear his voice, and he's saying, follow me. He's saying, come to me. He's saying, come with me. And then he's saying, come home to you. And so are we listening to the voice of the true shepherd? Are we listening to the voice of the thief and the robber? And, and in that fact that there's a true shepherd, here's what I want you to be encouraged with. He knows you. He knows you. If you belong to him, he knows you. He's the God of the universe. He created everything. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Even before time began, he knew about you. He knows you. There's a true shepherd who knows you, and he's calling to you tonight. And he's saying, do you belong to me? Will you come to me? Will you come into the fold? There is a true shepherd. 
are we listening? He knows you, students. Um, here's the next thing. Um, in verses 6 uh, through 11, we see a couple of different things. Um, I'm going to read uh, 6 through 10, and, and we want to see this, that Jesus is the way into the fold. Jesus is the way in um, to, to the fold, into the pen. Um, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Who enters, uh, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. It goes on in verse 11 to repeat, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Lays down his life for the sheep. There is a place of belonging in Jesus. You have a place in Jesus. He's the gate. He's the door that leads to salvation. In verse 7, um, uh, it, and when we enter the gate, into the pen, we find belonging. We, we find love and we find care and compassion. We find the discipline of the Lord. We find his leadership. We find his guidance when we come into his family, when we come into the gate and enter through the door of Christ. John 14, 6, one of those metaphors that we talked about um, the past couple of nights. I am the what? I am the way. I am the way. I am the gate. I am the door, Jesus says. You enter by me and you will be saved. You will be saved. And so it's interesting to me that as we think about this process, right, we, we come to Jesus as, as his sheep, right? We, we see Jesus. We see the shepherd. Um, we hear Jesus. Um, we know Jesus. We know his voice. So we respond to Jesus. So Jesus is leading us. And we should let Jesus lead us. Um, we run to Jesus and run from the stranger, as we saw in verse 5. Um, we're listening to the voice of the Lord and not the voice of the world that vies for our attention and wants to pull us away. So we run to Jesus, and then we rest in Jesus. We rest in Jesus. And we know that in Jesus, we not only have a place of belonging, but we also have a place of provision. But I want to pause before we move in and talk about provision and ask you a question. Those of us who are his sheep, who are a part of the body of Christ. And listen, I want to encourage you with this. If you're a believer in Jesus, then your place of connection here on earth is to the family of God, the body of Christ. This is how he designed us. He created us to be in a communion with one another, connection to one another, life with one another, right? Community with one another. He created us to be a part of the church. Um, as a matter of fact, that idea of belonging, when Paul writes in the book of uh, uh, Romans, he said, you, each of you belongs to all the others. Okay, that's pretty strong language, that we as believers are connected to the church, but here's what I want to challenge you with. If you're one of God's children, in thinking about what we have in the shepherd, inside the fold, this, this uh, belonging and love and care and compassion and discipline and leadership and guidance, are we as sheep giving that to the other sheep? Are we giving that to the other sheep? sheep that which the shepherd gives us and here's what I want to encourage you with is this is that I don't think we do a lot of times scripture tells us that they'll know us uh, uh, by our love for one another that we belong to the Lord right we're, we, we're, it's evidence that we belong to Jesus in the way that we love one another I read a book several years ago and this quote has stuck out with me um, that we have lost our number one evangelistic tool Number one evangelistic tool in the church, and that's our love for one another. Because we as sheep aren't providing what the shepherds provided for us to one another in the church. 
And we're guilty of all those things that we see as negative outcomes in our desire and our push and our longing to be filled and belong and connect. We're guilty of all those things of rejecting and ostracizing, ridiculing, pushing away, causing dissension, and causing strife within the family of God inside the pen, right? And so are we, as God's children, are we giving the other sheep, and then I would say this, giving the world what the shepherd's given us? Are we doing that as God's children? So, so listen, when we think about there's a true shepherd, he knows you, right? Um, and there's, there's a way into the fold, and it's through Jesus. Know this, he wants you, students. He not only knows you, but he wants you. So if you're wondering who is it that wants you, who is it that you matter to, who is it that loves you, who do you belong to, Jesus wants you. He knows you, he values you, and he wants you. He wants you. You belong. He approves of you. He wants Scripture says he wants all to come to repentance. All to come to repentance. He wants all to be changed by the love and the life that he offers. That he offers. So, so this belonging breeds, it feeds more belonging, right? So as we're connected and we belong, we push into more belonging. As we are connected and belong, we offer more belonging. This is how it should be. If we seek to be approved in others and belong to others, okay, um, it draws us away from Jesus. So where are we seeking our belonging? Where are we seeking our acceptance? Is it in the one true shepherd? Or is it in a competing voice? Is it through the gate of Jesus? Or is it trying to come in through another way? Are we trying to circumvent? Um, listen, God knows us and he wants us. He wants us to come into his family Okay, so there's belonging in Jesus, but also as we think about Jesus being the way into the fold, there's also provision in Jesus. What does he say in verses 11 and 14? 11 and 14, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He goes on in 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. He knows us, he wants us, he approves of us, and he sees us. He sees us. He tends to the flock, he cares for the individual. And what does that mean? He cares for you. He cares for you and he cares for me. And listen, um, my testimony um, is this, of how the Lord saved me. When I was 15 uh, years old, I gave my heart and life to Christ. But when I was 12, I was invited to church by a friend. I had just moved to Davis, Oklahoma, um, which seemed like a really tiny place, right? Because everyone had farm animals and I didn't. Um, I didn't know what a Hampshire was, okay? I had no idea. Um, I hadn't seen many cows. I, I mean, I just lived in a place that was foreign to me. So I moved into this place. Um, a friend invites me to church. Invites me to church. And because of that invite, I got plugged into a Sunday school class, Mr. Osteen's Sunday school class. And no, it wasn't Joel, if you're, if you're nervous. Mr. Osteen's Sunday school class. Um, and I, I went to VBS, right? And I got plugged in because a friend invited me. And I was at a place where I was disconnected. And what did a friend do to me? He reached out and said, you belong. You belong. Come with me. And now listen, my friend, he didn't have a clue about the deeper things of God. He didn't have a, a clue about uh, uh, systematic theology. Um, he couldn't parse Greek verbs. Okay, he couldn't um, uh, discuss the deeper meaning of atonement. Like, he couldn't do any of these things, nor did he need to. What he knew 
is he had a friend who needed to connect with the church. He wanted to invite them so they could get under the sound of the gospel and they could hear about Jesus. And so my testimony is this, that someone cared enough about me to say, you belong. God knows you, and he sees you, and he wants you, and he wants you to be a part of this. He he couldn't tell me what the gospel was, but he knew someone who could, and so he helped me, and he got me to the place where over the next two, three, four years after coming into the church, I saw the gospel, I heard the gospel, um, and I responded to the gospel of Christ when I was 15. So I gave my heart and my life to him because I realized that I was a sinner in need of a savior, right? That without him, I was lost, dead, dying, done. I was, I was hurt, and I needed healing. And because of that gift of invitation, um, I was able to come to faith because of the church and because of who those people were to me. I belonged, right? People saw me. People knew me. People wanted me. There's provision in Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. Will you let him be your provision this week? Will you let him be your provision tonight? He goes on to say this, I lay down my life for the sheep, verses 11, 15, 17, we see this picture, and we're kind of pushing back into verse 7 and kind of um, marrying these two things and this idea, Jesus says, I am the gate, right, I'm the door, and if you enter by me, that's, where, that's how you are saved, I am the gate, I am the door, and then he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I also um, uh, uh, had heard this years ago, um, read some more up on it uh, in preparation for uh, the sermon, But a shepherd in that time would literally, if they were out in the fields and had these rudimentary rock uh, sheep folds, these sheep pens, right, just kind of rudimentary uh, pens that they had made out of rock and spread around, um, without a gate, without a door, it wasn't anything that was developed or formal, they literally at night would lay down in the entrance to the pen to keep the sheep in and to keep uh, the, the thief and the robber, the predators out. And so they literally would lay down their life for him. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for us as the good shepherd. And he's willing to do that. He sees you. He knows you. He wants you. And you know what this shows us? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He became the gate, sacrificing himself, giving himself so we could be protected from the enemy so we could have life in him and be brought into the family of God. And so listen, although there are many voices that the enemy would throw at us, um, there is this very real enemy. Um, uh, What they promise is ultimately our undoing, our destruction. In verse 10, what is he going to say? We see this uh, illustrated here as Jesus says, um, uh, I am the good shepherd, the good sheep, uh, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right before that, he says, the thief is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief only has your harm in mind. And so any competing voice that you run to, student, listen, no matter what it is, if it's friend, if it's a habit, um, if, if it's a, a secret sin that you're holding on to, um, if, it's, if it's hate, if it's rage, if it's anger, if it's dissension, if it's uh, whatever it is that keeps us from following the voice of the shepherd and pulls us away and apart from him and away from him, it's the thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Any competing voice is nothing but our undoing. It's nothing but our undoing. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does he say? But I have come that you might have life. We have provision 
in him. Not only life eternal, like we talked about last night, but life abundant. Romans 5.8 puts it this way, that God demonstrates his love for us. This one great, true, living, almighty God. Say one God. Say one God. He looked into our greatest problem. That's our sin. Say one great problem. He looked into our greatest problem, our sin. And even though we were broken and separated from him, a man on one side of a chasm that, was, that has been fixed and we are separated from God forever, um, God on the other side, we can't earn it, we can't reach it, we are hopeless without something that will bridge that gap. And God said, he demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, even in that sin, even in that one great problem, he's given us one great hope. Say, one great hope. One great hope in Jesus who gave his life for us, who died on a cross, who shed his blood to cleanse us from our sins, and he was buried and he rose again like we talked about last night on the third day so we could have victory over death, we could have eternal life and walk in new life here on earth. God provided Jesus for us. Christ died for our sins. He gave what it took. He did what is needed for you and for me so we could belong to God. We could belong to God. So students, listen, as we wrap up and move into a time of invitation, you can belong to God tonight by trusting um, uh, Jesus as your Savior, by walking through that gate, that door that he's laid down his life for us. No one comes to the Father, John 14, 6 says, except through me, except through Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He gave up his life to die on the cross, to give you forgiveness, uh, uh, to give you life abundant, to give you life eternal, to be your place of belonging, to be loved to you. And so if you want to know who loves you, God loves you. And he loved you enough to give you his son so you could have forgiveness of sin and have life everlasting and life abundant. And so listen, tonight, if you're tired of false shepherds, if you're tired of just listening and being pulled away by the thief and the robber, or tonight God's saying to you, listen, come to me, come home. And you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to give your life to him, tonight you can respond. And in a moment when we offer the invitation, when we stand and begin to sing, all you got to do is slip out of the aisle, come down here, and we'll connect you with someone who will help you walk through that and tell you what it looks like to trust Christ and then to walk in that life that you have in him. Students, deep down, listen, I know that all of us, we have a deep need to belong. We have a deep need to connect for approval and connection. God's put it in us. And the cool thing about it is this, he's given it to us. He's given it to us. He's given us a way, the gate that is Jesus, to come into a relationship with him to be made right, to be made whole, and walk in that life that we have in him. And so tonight, the invitation is an invitation to belonging in the love of Christ. Will you, will you tonight say, I want to belong to Jesus? Are you ready to belong? Will you step through that gate, and will you have life in him? Right now, he'll save you tonight. He'll give you forgiveness. He'll give you his presence in your life. Tonight, you can have God's promise of eternal life if you'll simply invite him in and you'll trust him.
simply trust him. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes like we did last night. And I just want to ask around the room, there are many of you who have already placed your faith and trust in Christ. You belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. And you know that you do. And there's a time that you can go back to and you say, you know what? Um, I remember the Lord called me and I responded in faith. I trusted in Christ. I believed on him. If that's you tonight and you say, I have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to live forever with him and he's given me eternal life and, and the promise of abundant life and I'm, I'm walking with him or I have a relationship with him and I'm doing my best to walk with him. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just slip it up right now. Okay, you can put them down. I'm going to ask you one more time. If you belong to Jesus and you know it, just raise your hand. Say, Todd, that's me. Praise the Lord. Put your hands down. Now, I know many of you, even though a number of you came last night, and you responded to Christ, and you gave your life to him. Tonight, the, the, as we've talked through this passage, um, it's, it's eating on you, and it's, it's pulling you, and, and there's something going on in your heart, and that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. Because you need to belong, you need that connection, and you want to respond to the love of God in your life. So in a moment when we stand, I'm, I'm going to ask this, that you would come come down here and talk to someone who wants to help you and you just step out and be bold and you would say that's me I'm ready to give my life to Jesus I'm ready to belong I'm ready to belong if that's you tonight and you would say uh, Todd pray for me because the Lord's dealing with me on that level um, just slip your hand up right now I don't know Jesus but he's he's calling me to, tonight to give my life to him anyone in the room that would be bold to say say I, I want to give my life to Christ tonight anyone just raise your hand if that's you. Just slip it up. Amen. Hands around the room. Several hands around the room. And so when we stand and sing in just a moment, it's time for you to respond. You come. If you want life in Christ, if you want belonging in Jesus, it's time for you to respond. You stand and you come when we begin to sing. Let me pray for you. Father, we commit this time of response to you. We just ask that you would move freely in this place. There are students here tonight. They need to respond to you, and they're ready to respond to you. You have life in you and to have belonging in you. So, God, I ask that you would just help them be bold enough to slip out, to come down here, and that they would be able to, to begin a relationship with you tonight. You're a good God, and we love you, and we thank you for this time, and we commit this time of response tonight to you, and we ask that you would have your way in this place. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening.